Hi folks, we want to thank you for tuning in to the Indian Run Christian Church Podcast with our Associate Minister, Pastor Eric Howder. Now this podcast can be found on iTunes by searching for Terry Bailey Ministries in the iTunes Store. Right now, let's get to Pastor Eric's insightful message. Last week we looked at John chapter 4 and Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman. This week we're going to go back a chapter to John chapter 3. First, because I think we all can relate to the Samaritan woman at the beginning of our our walk with the Lord. And then we get to the point where we kind of can identify with Nicodemus later at points of our walk with God as well. And Nicodemus... Someone who's difficult to understand. One who's wavering in no man's land in John's gospel. He's caught between being one of Jesus' opponents or one of his true disciples. Some have said Nicodemus is an example of someone of inadequate faith who remains an outsider throughout John's gospel. While others have traced his development from a tentative faith to an open and public commitment to Jesus. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Some of your translations will have whoever instead of everyone. It's the same principle. John 3.16 is probably the most famous verse in the Bible. Most of the kids can recite it without looking. Most adults can recite it without looking. It shows up on t-shirts, bumper stickers, and at times it showed up in the end zone at football games while people were kicking field goals. I still can remember being a little kid, not well churched, and watching the best football team around, the Browns, and wondering when they kicked the field goal if they scored a touchdown against the Steelers, why somebody held up a sign and said John 3.16. I wondered, who's this John and what is 316? I had no idea. But in John chapter 3, we see the context for this promise that has meant so much to so many Jesus followers throughout the centuries. Jesus spoke these words to Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders of his day. Every word in this verse is loaded with significance. But one of the words that gives us hope is everyone or whoever. Whoever believes, everyone that believes, means all of us, including the Samaritan woman and including Nicodemus. Now, he was one of the least likely to follow Jesus. While other Pharisees were blind to their need for Jesus and sought to oppose him and eventually sought to arrest him and kill him, Nicodemus wanted to approach and question him. One might think that the religious crowd of that day would be most open to the teaching of Jesus. But they were more often the objects of the teacher, Jesus, his rebukes. Jesus called them hypocrites and said that their hearts were far from him. But Jesus also looked at Nicodemus and said, whoever. Nicodemus' religious works did not make him righteous before God. But they also did not disqualify him from following Jesus. 
Nicodemus, with all his religious background and baggage and blindness, was still invited to follow Jesus. Now, if we look at the disciple Matthew, we would see he would not be the guy in the front row of the church like Nicodemus. And he wouldn't be in the back row either. See, Matthew, the tax collector, was excluded from the religious circles of his day. He was a complete and total outsider. He was worse than a leper because his uncleanliness was caused by his own choice. Caused by his choice to betray his people and profit from the evil Rome. But Matthew, as much as Nicodemus or anyone else, was whoever. Matthew was never invited anywhere, but he was invited to follow Jesus. And not only that, he would soon host a dinner party for other sinners and would invite them to follow Jesus with him. And at the party, Jesus would say, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, Nicodemus was sick with religious pride and self-righteousness. Matthew was unhealthy enough spiritually to be a complete outcast. But Jesus, Jesus invites them both to believe, along with whoever. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The question is, are we whoever? Too often we think we don't fit into the right category when it comes to being accepted by God. And that can change daily, weekly, monthly. But Jesus' category is whoever or everyone who believes. We all belong to that group that Jesus died for, and we're all invited to believe on him for eternal life. Now let's look at the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Many times we hear in church circles the word word saved. It means different things in different contexts. Outside of church, it would mean if you're rescued at sea, you were saved. But in different religious circles, it means something completely different. It usually means someone who has an evangelical theology and they're asking the question, are you saved? But it also indicates a person having a change of heart and soul that can be pinpointed to that moment that that person accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. When were you saved, it will be asked. But it's not actually what this scripture from John is about. Although many of our Christian brothers and sisters are fond of this passage in that manner, it can be confusing to many. And I believe it was confusing to Nicodemus, as I believe Jesus wanted it to be. See, one of the points of John's gospel is to reveal something about who and what this Jesus is. John is also writing his gospel to let those who read it to know something about who Jesus is and how Jesus brings life. Nicodemus is one of the powerful elite of the first century. He's a Pharisee, a strict adherer of the law. He's supposed to follow the rules, perform his duties at the temple, and follow the law. A member of the Sanhedrin, the select. He wasn't supposed to follow some strange, mystic, poor peasant who was gathering disciples and speaking in strange ways about God. But there Nicodemus is, seeking Jesus. He visits at night. 
He visits at night because he knows that in his confines of his social and religious ideals, this visit that he has with Jesus is inappropriate. There's no good reason why Nicodemus should want to speak to Jesus in the flesh. But he does it in an active conversation, but it leaves them with no satisfactory answer. The conversation begins well enough. Nicodemus comes to the teacher, Jesus, and offers him a worthy compliment, noting that he, Jesus, must be grounded in God in order to do the things that he had been doing. But Jesus doesn't take that bait. Jesus turns it around, just like he turned around the conversation with the Samaritan woman. He switches the conversation. He moves it to a totally unanticipated level. I can imagine if it wasn't so dark, we could see the confusion on Nicodemus' face. He says, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. It's interesting that he says this. This is something that's going to come throughout the entire conversation with Nicodemus. That God is trying to show him, Nicodemus, that God has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Nicodemus had his religion, but he needed to be born again into a relationship. Nicodemus had his religion, but Jesus is telling him he needed to be born again into a relationship. Religion is one thing, and by definition, Christianity is a religion. However, relationship is completely different. See, Nicodemus really missed the mark. He called Jesus Christ rabbi, a teacher. But we know Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God, and Nicodemus was missing that. That was the big issue. That's why Jesus says you cannot see the kingdom of God. See, Nicodemus wasn't seeing Christ for who he really was. Who do we say Christ is? Is he a teacher to you? Is he a person of historical fact? Is he your God? Is he the Son of God? Who is he to us? Each day we should probably be reflecting on who Jesus is to us. Jesus talks about this born again. Being born again is described in other ways throughout the Bible. The prophet Ezekiel in the Old Testament says, An old heart, an old heart to a new heart. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. The Apostle Paul says, An old creation to a new creation. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Old to new. Peter talks about darkness to light. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, they may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness and into the wonderful light, who is Jesus. Jesus, John says from death to life. But Nicodemus wasn't seeing it. He wasn't seeing Christ for who he was. Now I would assume at this time Nicodemus is not only curious but he's also getting a little confused. And what Jesus is basically saying to him, you have read the scriptures, Nicodemus. You are a scholar. You are a teacher of the law. This is not new stuff that I am telling you. Remember the prophets. Ezekiel talked about a coming transformation. 
Ezekiel said, I am not talking about the transformation of the temple. Rather, I am prophesying about a transformation of the heart. I'm not simply talking about putting the Spirit of God back into the temple in Jerusalem, but putting the Spirit of God right inside you. Ezekiel said, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and bring it about you walk in my statues and are careful and follow my ordinances. When Jesus says to Nicodemus, you should not be surprised at me saying you should be born again. I suspect that this is the passage that he had on his mind. Now as a scholar, Nicodemus should be very familiar with that passage in Ezekiel. So here is Nicodemus thinking about what Jesus is saying and probably getting even more confused. He may be thinking about the last encounter he saw Jesus, possibly, at the temple when Jesus cleansed the temple. And now he's getting the sense that Jesus is saying that it's time to scrub him clean too. He may be thinking one minute Jesus says that he's going to put a new spirit in the temple, and now he's going to put a new spirit within me. I'm not sure I get this. Nicodemus, perhaps his head is spinning. And of course Jesus is aware of this. So in verse 8 he tells Nicodemus, don't try too hard to figure this out because it's very difficult. In fact, it's impossible to follow. It's kind of like attempting to follow the wind. Now we have to give Nicodemus some credit. He carries on, trying to understand, but he doesn't, and it seems like he won't. Because while the vocabulary is familiar to Nicodemus, the meaning Jesus gives the vocabulary in a conversation is not familiar to him. Now we could let well enough alone in chapter 3 and just say that Nicodemus and Jesus have a strange conversation that doesn't really go anywhere, But thank goodness we have the last two verses about God. So loving the world because those are really, that's really the point of this message. That's the point of the strange vocabulary that Jesus uses. So if we place ourselves in the shoes of Nicodemus, would we understand? I would suspect that most of us, if not all of us in this room today, do not believe we are part of a group who feel alienated from society as a whole. We don't feel oppressed as a group. We freely are able to walk in here each Sunday with not much criticism from those around us. Maybe most of us in this room are like the mainstream Israelites in that culture, the ones who live quite happily in the mainstream. Maybe we're good with the roles. Maybe we're not feeling particularly oppressed or on the margins. So why then would we need Jesus? Why does Nicodemus go to visit Jesus? As a Pharisee, as one of the select, he would have no need of him. Jesus couldn't grant him any privileges that he already had. And Nicodemus asked for nothing, no healing, no anything. We can imagine many reasons why he would go to visit Jesus. The writer John never never tells us. But there does seem to be something significant about this leader of the Jewish people creeping around at night to see this guy 
this peasant who speaks in strange language. It may be well that Nicodemus knows or feels that he's offering something that he doesn't have. Offering something that he can't find in the light of day around all the mainstream people and all the customs and rituals. However we feel about our life, if you're comfortable or happy, or if you're angry about something or you get frustrated easily, do you ever get the sense that there's something more? Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night or stop yourself during the day, have a sense that you're searching for something that you cannot name, but you know you still haven't found quite what you're looking for? Many people get tired of the rat race. As we struggle with the hope of the yet unknown, we might get a glimmer that what we cannot name has something to do with God. Perhaps Nicodemus had that nudging. It often feels like God's desires for us are different from the world's desires. The teaching of Jesus is about God and the life abundant that he offers don't really make sense in the world that we compete with, where competition has the final word. Jesus lived for roughly 33 years in a corner of the world that wasn't even as big as the northern part of Oregon. He wasn't a a world traveler. He received no formal education, had no degrees to hang on his wall. He had no walls of all. Still, with all that, personally, I seek him. And I hope we all seek him daily. It's something that inspires me, and I pray you as well to be at the best when we seek him each day on our knees through prayer and through scripture. Not only does it inspire us, but it translates to our family as well, our church as well, and the community around us. It has something to do with seeking the light rather than the dark, with choosing love and not hate, with finding things that lead to life and not death, not just for us, but everyone we're in contact with. Jesus says something to me in the verse about love. Not just his love, but the way he describes God's love for us. A love that desires salvation and not condemnation. It's a relentless love that's not contingent on how good we try to be. It's a love we only have, I believe, a taste of in this life. Some of you are here because of love. Some of you are here because of Jesus. Some of you are here because you have a sense that there's more to depth to life than mere success in the world's eyes. You're here because you want to be reminded of the love that saves the world, the love that you're called to live. You're here because in some way, in some way the Holy Spirit has moved you, and you might not even know it yet. You might not even be able to recall the place and time that you are drawn, drawn to the way he tells you again and again that you are loved. Drawn to the way he tells you that there's more than what the world offers you. Now, we never learn what happens to Jesus, really, or Nicodemus, really. He shows up twice more in the gospel. The last time after Jesus dies, after he's crucified. He comes again at night to help dispose of the body in the proper Jewish way. But we never learn if he took in what Jesus said, if he understood what God's love meant. 
See, Nicodemus could have lived with Jesus in the flesh and understood in life. Yet we find him left at the end. The last time we hear of Nicodemus, we find him at the end handling the dead corpse, presumably, of Jesus. He could have had Jesus in the flesh and life. But he chose to be around for the dead corpse. But Nicodemus is not the point of this passage. You and I aren't the point of this passage either. In John's gospel, in a way, Jesus isn't even the point of this passage in chapter 3. Jesus points us to the message, which is about God's love. God's love for this world. Four words. For God so loved. We jump ahead 2,000 years, and in our wanderings, we discover that God's love for the world extends to our time, to us, and those around us as well. Nicodemus responds in chapter 3. He says, Can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asks, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Whether or not Nicodemus misunderstood the metaphor Jesus was using, or was just participating in it to ask how a person can change the religious system, Jesus makes it clear. Jesus answered. These two words are very important at the beginning of this. Truly, truly, Jesus says, which means amen, amen, amen. When Jesus says the words truly, truly, he's meaning business. He's getting serious. Truly, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Now we go back to when Nicodemus wasn't understanding. And Jesus tells him in verse 8, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So does where with everyone born of the Spirit. Humans produce humans. And humans create human religious systems. But the Spirit of God is free and cannot be contained in a system. They are very much incompatible. Just like pouring new wine in new wineskins, the bottom line that it really doesn't matter how truth makes us feel, it's still truth. The Spirit changes those who are born of the Spirit no matter what their previous system is, even if it's a Christian religious system. Let us be sure we are open to the message of Jesus without clinging to a specific system. And as Jeff starts to come forward, I shared this at the 8 o'clock and I'll share it again. I had a conversation with my son, which after I reflected on our conversation in between services, it was on our drive from Texas at the end of November. Our son in high school is very active. He played, I believe, four sports, earned 10 varsity letters, which by no means was not a, a super athlete. He just was dedicated and was active. He was in a couple musicals. He was in the youth church band. He worked at McDonald's throughout high school. He was active. By the world means, in their classification, he was active. But our conversation on the way back up from Texas, he said, you know what, one thing I regret. 
He said, the one thing I regret is throughout high school, with all the activity I was doing, even though I went to church and participated in the youth band at church, the one thing I regret is I didn't develop my relationship more with Jesus. See, I don't care where we're at in our daily, worldly walk with stuff or what kind of hurt we've had in the past from family, friends, or how we've been hurt in church before. Because coming into church, we can be hurt. None of that should hinder our relationship, our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That goes above and beyond any hurt that we have. And it's through Him that we can come out of that hurt. When we put our faith in Him and understand His promises. So I ask you today, take a step. We don't participate in a passive faith. Being a follower of Jesus is active. It's not a religious system. Our faith in Jesus is personal. And it should reflect to those around us. If you've had it in your heart and you felt this is the day I want to give my life to Jesus, take a step forward. There'll be people to pray with you. If you have a prayer need in your life, as I've known the last month or so with, with my wife, there's the power of prayer is, is more than what we can explain. The wonders of God go beyond us. And we have to be careful. We don't put God in a box. I encourage you to take a step forward. We want to take a moment to thank all of you, our faithful listeners, for setting aside time each week for the Indian Run Christian Church podcast. You can find out more about the church by visiting our website at www. ChristForEastCanton.com That's www.ChristForEastCanton all one word dot com On behalf of Pastor Terry and all the folks at Indian Run Christian Church I pray God's blessing on you and your family.